It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 and 68 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. Welcome. We have all the answers. If you have the questions, we will match those with each other to teach you how to be more successful in your landscape. All you got to do is dial 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 gets you in to ask your question. Let's go. Let's get started. Jenna. Jenna's over in Carrollton and joins us. Hey, Jenna, good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, um, about a week and a half ago, my husband and I, we transplanted a a, a holly even tree from the outside corner to the inside corner of our house. And for about four days, it was doing really well. It liked its new place. But now it seems to be drooping quite a bit. Uh. For for that first week, I was watering it like every... 20 seconds in the morning, every morning, diligently, and but it still doesn't seem to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's doubtful it'll die, but it may be grumpy <laughs> for okay. a little while. So I think it's grumpy because, I mean, inevitably, you don't, y'all left some roots back in the old place where the holly was, and so it doesn't have quite the capacity to absorb water, and so it's droopy as a result. No matter how much water you put on, if it doesn't have the roots to pick it up, then it can't pick it up. So I guess all you do is continue to be uh, good about watering a couple of, I don't know how big the root system was as you moved over, but at least a gallon every day. And uh, don't let it be soggy, soggy, but at least don't let it dry out, certainly. Okay. And uh, that's about the best you can do. No fertilizer, nothing like that. And uh, we'll see what happens. So you said no more fertilizer. No fertilizer, no. Fertilizer just sort of stresses the roots, makes them work too hard, is what I call it. Okay, well, thank you, sir. I have plenty more questions, but I guess only time for one this morning. Yeah, that's what we try to do. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Thanks, Jenna. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Who we got? Donna's in Woodstock with her Japanese maple. Doesn't look too good either. Hey, Donna. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. So tell uh, me more. What's wrong with the maple? Well, I got the little baby Japanese maple from my neighbor. Okay. So I planted it and did so well. It got to be about four feet. My husband and I moved it uh, to another spot. Last fall, it was October. And um, uh, it, then it dropped the leaves like it was supposed to, but now it did not leaf out. And I scraped it with my thumb, and it's still green. So I'm thinking, I went on the Internet, should I leave it, or is it a done deal? Ooh, Donna. Donna, Donna, Donna. I would not bet on that tree. <laughs> that tree, I think, is, is a goner. If it doesn't have any leaves on it now during the most productive and, and growth-oriented yeah. time of the year, then it's probably not going to have any leaves on it in the future. Even though it scratches green underneath the bark, okay. I doubt that the buds are still alive. So, well, The same neighbor gave me another baby because he felt sorry for me. <laughs> yeah. I've got that in a pot now, kind of sitting next to that tree because I want to let sure it's acclimated to the area. Yeah. 
wait till the fall and put that in, or should I plant that right away? Right away. I think it would be okay. much happier in the ground than it will be in the pot. Okay, right now it's only about uh, 18 inches high. That's fine. Just don't uh, don't let the squirrels eat it. Don't let anybody mow it or weed whack it or anything like that. So maybe a little fence around it, something to protect it while it's that small. But I think in the ground is the right answer. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, Donna. Thanks for calling. Oh, yeah, thank you. Bye. Roy is in Tucker and joins us. Hey, Roy, what's going on? Hello, Mr. Reed. Mr. Roy, yes, sir. How you doing? I, I wanted to ask you about the wildflowers, what the state, I guess I'm pretty sure it's the state that puts uh, in yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. of the expressway. Sure, on the DOT does it, sure. Uh-huh. Well, where do you get that, some of them seeds at? Oh, there's several places. Um, down in Jackson, Georgia, Roy, there's a seed place down there that supplies bulk seed. In other words, uh-huh. they sell it by the 50 to 100-pound bags. Oh, Lord, I don't need that. No. <laughs> We're going to get you close, all right. How many? How big of an area do you want to have wildflowers in, Roy? Well, it, it, it's, it's maybe about 40 by 20 or something like oh, that. Oh, then we're fine then. Um, you know, Pike sells. Go to the Tuckle Hill Pike store and see if they don't have that wildflower mix that they used to sell. It was developed for oh, the southeast. I, I, and yeah, I remember the one time you were talking on the phone, you said it was wildflowers kind of hard to, uh, uh, when you plant them, you can't tell the weeds from yeah, the Yeah, that's thing. true. That's but, exactly right. But I know right. the state, I know, I, I don't know how they put them seed. I don't, they, they, I know they broadcast them out there some way, yeah. and I know they don't work them, and they don't see about the grass, and they don't do nothing. That's, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and you notice, too, that the DOT plantings don't flower all year long. And so as part of the year, they just mow it down because they don't have any, right. any plants that are flowering. And then when uh, they plant the seed, I guess, in the spring, they drill it. I imagine they drill it into the ground, and it comes up, and they may even put some Roundup before they put the seed down. But the plants come up and bloom most of the time. I see them in the fall. Uh-huh. But, um, you say to drill in the ground. Yeah, that's a machine. It's a tractor machine they use to drill put seed in the ground. Oh, is that the way they do that? Yeah. I, wonder, I, I thought they broadcast them out there on the, usually you know, they, the medium out Usually there. they'll drill it or they'll use a cultivator to cultivate the top inch or so of soil to put the seeds in contact with the soil real tight, and that's okay. how they plant it. But that's not what you're doing. You've got a little bitty place you don't have the highway to deal with. Yeah. So... Roy, one of the things that Ashley looked up for, and just real quickly, she said last week was Wildflower Week in Georgia, and that the Georgia DOT and the program to put the wildflower out there was started in 1974. So that's a while ago that Virginia Hand Calloway was the one who got inspired by Lady Bird Johnson, seeing all the wildflowers that she had planted yes. in Texas, and said, well, we've got to have that in Georgia. And so Miss Calloway got the DOT to start identifying plots where they could put the wildflowers out. That's back in 74. They started planting them, and it's been real successful. And not only that, but you know if you buy a wildflower tag to put on your car like I have, yes. Yes. the money from that wildflower tag goes to support the uh, buy the seeds yes, to put out. Oh, oh, I, 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 I mean, uh, you own some kind of board or something with a with the state about the wildflowers. No, I'm not. I'm not on the board to do that. They they know pretty much what they need to know without me advising uh-huh. them over there, Roy. They're pretty smart. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But Roy, again, if you want to uh, get some seed, I would go to the pike at Toco Hill. It's pretty close to you in, uh, in Tucker there. But go to the pike and say, don't you have that mixture of wildflower seed that's good for the southeast? There are mixtures good for the northeast, mixtures that are good for California, mixtures that are good for Texas. There are certain mixtures of seeds, annuals, and perennials that do better in Georgia than anywhere else. And Pike, I believe, still has that mixture. They'll sell it to you for 
not too much money, and you can put it on your little plot there in the in the yard and have a nice looking little wildflower meadow. Let's go to the phones again. Uh, who is this? Mike in Decatur joins us. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, Mike. What's going on? Great. I've got a red bud, one that has purple leaves on it. Oh, yeah. That we planted back in September of 17, and it's done really well, and it's about seven feet tall right now. It has about a six-foot canopy and about an inch trunk at the base. Uh, this afternoon, or I'm sorry, Wednesday when I came home from work, because of the rain, it was bent over. It was almost oh, bent yeah. over to where it was almost broken. So. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I trimmed out. I trimmed and pruned a little bit of one of the limbs off yeah. on that side that was gone, and then I staked it up. And I was wondering if there's anything that we could do otherwise to try to save the tree because we don't want mm. it to, of course, break break and die. But no, I was wondering if I had to prune it more or I just stake it up. You know, I think what you can do is give it a loose staking. And loose means it needs to sway because the swaying of the trunk, the bending, minor bending, not all the way down like yours was, but minor bending of the trunk actually signals to the tree, the hormones in the tree. It says make a thicker trunk, make something that can stand up and not be blown over by the wind or the weight of the, okay. of the rain. And so some a good-sized post, not a little broomstick or anything, or a dowel, but a, I don't know, a, a, I would say a four-by-four four post next to it that you burying the soil a couple of feet and six up out of the ground, four feet, five feet maybe, and it's just a very, very loose uh, connection. I, I don't know where you go. Go to, the, go to a Goodwill store and get a belt, a nice wide leather belt, and use that to loosely connect the stake to, or the post, I guess, to the trunk of your tree. Let the tree wobble back and forth if it wants to, and it will eventually find the strength to stand up straight. Okay. It, would it be okay instead of the post? It would be okay if I used like the staking with uh, you know twine with uh, you know like, three stakes around and used that manner, or is it better no, to use the post? No, you got to use no. something wide. If you put twine around the trunk of the tree, mm -hmm. you're going to get wounding to the bark. Right. And I don't want that to happen. Okay. That's why I said wide. Okay. If you have something wide and you want to put three points to the ground, fine with me. But make it on the trunk where it touches the trunk. It needs to be a very wide inch, at one inch at least, two inches would be better. Where it okay. contacts the trunk. Okay. Thank you very much, Walter. All right. Nothing to it, Mike. Thanks for calling. All right. Goodbye. 404-872-0750, the number that you can dial to get in to take Mike's place. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. When marimba rhythms start to play, dance with me, make me sway. Like a lazy ocean hugs the shore, hold me close, sway me more. Like a flower bending in the breeze. There you go. I knew there'd be a flower reference in there somewhere. Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Uh, 80% chance of scattered showers today. High of 79, low of 66. Tomorrow, cooler than normal. War showers likely, of course. 75 is the high. Low 59, your full weekend forecast. Coming up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at 8 m 750 WSB. Edna is in Atlanta, Georgia. And Edna joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Edna, good morning. Good morning. Hi. So go shoot. What you got, Edna? What's your question? About eight or ten years ago, I put a border of, I think it's Mondo grass. I'm not sure. It's long, 
thin grass okay. uh, to separate uh, the bed uh, from a sidewalk, and uh, it's under gumpo azaleas. And now the stuff is spreading, it's marching uh, under the azaleas, and I wonder, it's very hard to pull out, and I wonder, can it, uh, is it going to kill the azaleas because it's under there? It's not going to kill it. Um, it competes, of course. Both of them are looking for sunshine, moisture, nutrients, of course. So the roots compete with each other. But I don't think kill it is the right word. Uh, if um, I sort of hate to say any kind of herbicide underneath your nice gumpos, but, you know, honestly, Edna, the only thing I think I could recommend is dig it out. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to say that. Yeah, you didn't want to hear that, but I think that's the only thing I really feel good in saying due to the either Mondo or monkey grass, whichever, whichever one you have, I still think digging it out is your only option. Okay, I didn't want to hear that, but I guess I'll try it. The only thing, if you're real careful, Edna, you can put uh, Roundup or one of the Roundup uh, brands onto the uh, monkey grass or mondo grass with a paintbrush, just a little foam paintbrush. You dip it into a little bucket of Roundup chemical or spray it onto the paintbrush if you have a spray um, product and paint that onto the blades of the of the grass you don't like. But you okay. don't, don't get it on the azaleas. That's the big no, thing. No, I they don't want not. anything to happen to them. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying uh, digging is safest. Digging would be the very safest thing to do. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Edna, thanks for calling. Let's give away the weekend prize pack. We have, what do we have here? Rascal Flats. He has a pair of tickets to see Rascal Flats with special guests Lee Bryce and Morgan Evans on Saturday, May 25th at Ameris Bank Amphitheater in Alpharetta. Tickets now on sale at LiveNation.com. Ashley Frasca, who shall win? Me. Uh, yeah, you want to see Rascal Flats. I know you like them. I would love to, but I will share them with caller number five. Caller number five to our contest line, which is 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. And we have just one minute here, so I won't take any more calls, but I will mention that one of the things I've heard Ashley send to people, calls, callers who had questions this morning about lawns and actually felt like we were repeating or didn't need to have them on the air and she sends them my calendars, and I think they're so useful for lawn owners who want to know how to manage their lawns, because it have, I have a calendar for Bermuda grass, for fescue grass, for zoysia, centipedes, and Augustine, all of them, plus a little maintenance uh, leaflet that tells you about what the maintenance is all about with each one of these uh, grasses. You get to them by going to my website, WalterReeves.com, and type one word, type calendars, plural, calendars, in the search line. And that'll take you to the page that has all the lawn care calendars of when to, when to aerate, when to seed, when to uh, put lime out, and just all the things you need to know for the basics of what months to do the things that you need to do to have your lawn look nice. It's not exhaustive. It's not absolutely the end bit of advice for lawn care, but at least it'll get you started so you know exactly what you need to do and when you need to do it during the, during the year. Again, WalterReeves.com, type the word calendars in the search line. 404-872-0750 is my number. It's 727, and we will be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
735 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Got all the questions right here lined up for you. Hopefully you have some, well, actually I have all the answers lined up here for you. Hopefully you have some questions to match them. Our number is 404-872-0750. If you have a question, give us a call. Chris says he may have done something a bad thing to his Bermuda lawn. What did you do, Chris? Good morning, Walter. Hey, Chris. I believe I might have uh, burnt my ga- uh, grass. Burnt like with a match or burnt with a fertilizer? No, I'm, I'm assuming it was with, no, it was definitely with a fertilizer. Okay. How much did, did you put down? Tell me what you know about the, the details. Well, uh, I have a broadcast spreader, and um, I hooked it up to the back of my mower, and uh, I uh, proceeded with uh, fertilizing my grass. Nevertheless, um, I'm finding that there's spots, some pockets, where it looks as if it was burnt. Uh, what, does it, what does it look like then, Chris? Describe the symptoms. Yeah, it looks it's brown. It's uh, brown, and I, I know the difference between a fungus. Yeah. Because of listening to you over the years, but this is pockets throughout the grass. Uh, you know, I, I, it's it's pretty much throughout the grass. Uh, certain areas there's it's fine, but there's certain areas where there's uh, the top of the grass is burnt. And then when I'm looking deeper into the grass itself, it doesn't look as bad, but it's more like right up on top on top of the grass, not all the way down to the roots. Yeah, but Chris, when you it seems to me that if you if you put too much fertilizer down, you'd have a a stripe because this fertilizer spreader would be putting too much fertilizer down, and you'd have a long stripe behind where the spreader went. Or if one side got more okay. fertilizer than the other side, one would be green, one would be brown. But you're not seeing that; okay. you're seeing pockets, and that's that doesn't sound right yeah. like burnt Bermuda to me. Okay. Do you re- is there anything that I can do to try to uh, get it right? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do about it either way. <laughs> anyway, Chris, so we're arguing about what caused the pockets of dead grass is not is sort of moot if it was fertilized. You can't do anything about it. Um, so, you know, at this point, Chris, I think we need to wait a little bit and get me some more symptoms. Call me next Saturday if you see something else that you think is the is the cause of it or want to discuss more symptoms there. But I don't think burn with with fertilizer is quite what you have. I just don't. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll give it a couple more weeks. Uh, whatever I might have done, because last year this time my grass was fine. Yeah. Uh, this year is a totally different cookie, so I, was, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking even if I did burn it, it if I, you know, two, three, maybe four weeks, and it was, what was burned would have come up by then. Yeah, sure. But, you know, if it's not coming up, one of the things that I learned from uh, Clint Waltz, the guy from University of Georgia who was with me a couple of weeks ago, and Clint said this year Bermuda is being very slow to come back because the ground temperatures have been just below the temperature they need for the roots to grow. He said it was a, been 60 degrees for two or three weeks. He said what he really needed is 65 degree soil temperature before the roots start really absorbing nutrients and start greening up the top. And so you may just have some pockets that were slow to come up, slow to green up this year, strictly because of soil temperature, not so much because of the, uh, of the burning or fertilizer or anything like that. So think about that as well. It just could be slow to come up. Uh, Jeff in Ellenwood joins us. Jeff has a Bermuda lawn as well. Jeff, what can we do for you? Jeff, 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 where are you? 
Jeff is on silence there. Well, let's get that one done. All right, so we've got that. Try Jeff one more time. Jeff, are you there? Nope, somehow Jeff is not there. So let's go to Kim Indicator then. Kim, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Kim. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure, how can I help? This is a combination landscaping slash construction question. <laughs> All right, I'll try to hit both ways. I have a driveway that comes down my yard, and off the driveway, I want to have a put a parking pad. Okay. And and it will need like a it will go off of it like a branch of a Y into my yard. Sure. And there'll be about a probably about a twenty five foot stretch of driveway going to the parking pad, and I want it to look right. Um, there's a the part of a fence and part of a a retaining wall is probably going to have to be taken down in order to get this in there. And should I consult? I don't want the concrete guy going, yeah, I think this is how you should put it in there, lady. All right. I mean, I've got a great concrete guy, but he doesn't know anything about design, and right. I want to work well with my yard. Yeah. Should I con contact a landscape architect to... I want something to give to the concrete guy to say, this is yeah. how it should be. I think you're exactly on mark there, Kim, because a landscape architect not only has the skill to design your retaining wall to make sure it is sturdy, number one, doesn't fall over, number two, does what it's supposed to do, whether it's concrete or any other material. The architect is trained to know how to make things stand where they're supposed to in the landscape. Secondly, a landscape architect is somebody who knows about plants and knows how to make the curves look right and uh, maybe suggest plants you can put around the edge of the curve and things in the middle maybe where the Y splits apart. So, yeah, uh, L.A. would be fine. And, of course, you know that Pike Nursery has a whole team of landscape architects and design team. They that do? Do's. Yes, they do. They do. Run up there to Toco Hill. Buy Toco Hill uh, Nursery and uh, talk to, well, you don't actually have to call them. You can go to call the Pike office directly and say, I need to talk to the landscape design people, and they will set up an appointment. Somebody will come out and look at your yard and say, this is what you need to do here. This is what we'll tell the concrete guy to do here. These are the plants I'd recommend here. And they give you a discount at the Pike Nursery. What a deal. Great. And they can draw like a little plan yeah. for, to give to the yeah. concrete guy. That's what they do. That's a job. Okay. Yep. Great. Thank you so much. I just want this to look right. I don't want to be in there all cattywampus and screw up what I already have there. <laughs> cattywampus is the worst way to look. It sure is not the great cattywampus way to look. Cattywampus is awful. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for calling, Kim. And don't forget, the Pike Nursery people, the design team, just call up your local Pike, get the right number to contact them, and they will give you a deal on the plants, of course, and, uh, and uh, a good plan for your landscape as well. Who's coming next? Who we talk to next here? Jeff is in uh, Ellenwood. Hey, Jeff. Good, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi. How can I help, Jeff? I currently use a lawn care provider, yeah. and I also use Milorganite. Okay. Do I need both? In addition to the smells from Milorganite, <laughs> is there any other benefit? Not really. Um, so the lawn people that care for you, they're fertilizing and doing weed control as well? Yes. If they're fertilizing and doing weed control, the milorganite doesn't, I mean, it's sort of adding more fertilizer than you might need. So I think you need to let the lawn care people do their job and not to add on to it unless you have a, unless you like smelling milorganite. If you do, then use milorganite and no. smell all you like. 
No, I'm good on the smell now. I've learned from last year. Thank you, Walter. I'll definitely stop using the product. I appreciate right. you taking my call. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We'll see you soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Organite is a great product. It's a great fertilizer. I use it on my lawn. I sure do. But uh, if, you, if you have someone else who's fertilizing, they certainly should know what the fertilizer needs for the lawn are and would put the right amount of fertilizer down. And putting more milorganite on doesn't seem to me the right way to go. Nathan in Winder, Georgia joins us. Hey, Nathan, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Hey, you know, I woke up this morning to go to work, and I noticed when I went outside that I literally have thousands of these little tiny fuzzy-looking caterpillars crawling all over the side of my house. It kind of really blew me away when I saw how many there were. I wonder if you knew what that might be or Hmm. what what in the world is going on. Could it? Is it tent caterpillars? You know, I thought tent caterpillars had already come and gone, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, I have, I have found some in my 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 master bathroom over the course of the last week. You know, I probably I don't I probably found about ten to twenty. Wow! But today, but today when I got to work, I mean when I got out to go to work, they were the house was literally covered. It really blew my mind. Wowzers! And so these are these are caterpillars, not centipedes, not millipedes, not some other creature that you might call a caterpillar. These are fuzzy caterpillars right yeah yeah they're about a, maybe an inch long maybe a little bit more than that hmm. but literally, literally thousands all over the side of my house well i can tell you how to kill them how about that right. <laughs> they do it organically as well so we don't have to worry about caterpillars we don't have to identify we just need to know what to do organically to kill a caterpillar there's a product whose we abbreviate the name and we call it bt because the long name is Baxillus thuringiensis, and it's hard for me to pronounce, and it's hard for you to pronounce. So call it BT. If you go to any garden center and say, I need BT to kill caterpillars, they'll say, oh, you mean this Baxillus stuff here? And you say, yeah, that's the stuff I want. Caterpillar killer is one brand name. Caterpillar attack is another brand name. But yet the BT, which when a caterpillar eats it or gets it on his body or in his stomach, it stops him from feeding immediately. All okay. right, so that's what you want. And these are not feeding on your house, obviously, but it will kill them. They'll die and they'll fall off and make a little pile at the base of your foundation, I guess. And you can sweep them up and get rid of them. But that's how you kill caterpillars organically. works just as well against caterpillars in the, in the landscape as well or in the garden as well. Remembering that caterpillars are connected to butterflies and moths, you might want to keep too. But, you know, it depends on sort of where you're working from, whether you like them where they are or don't like them where they are is whether you want to. Keep them or not keep them. Okay. All right, BT, I'll do that. BT, yeah. Again, Bacillus thuringiensis, BT. That's the stuff. BT. All right, thanks, Walter. I appreciate that. You bet, Nathan. Thanks for calling. You know, there are several uh, Bacillus kind of things that you can put on the the soil. In some cases, you use them for uh, control of grubs, for uh, Japanese beetles. You can use it for the... the, uh, uh, caterpillars there. You can use it for control of mosquitoes. The mosquito dunks, you've probably seen those little donut-shaped things you put into still water that you can't uh, can't dry out, like a little pond in the backyard or something like that. Those mosquito dunks have a different type of bacillus in them. And again, it's simply a germ, basically, that infects the caterpillar or the mosquito larvae or the grub in the ground with a disease that causes them to die. And, you know, sad to say, but it's sort of... Um, Comparable, I guess, to diseases that kill a lot of people in, in human kind, in Ebola viruses and bird flu and things like that. So this is a disease that kills caterpillars, and that's why when I say you can use it, it's an organic thing to use, it only affects that creature, that caterpillar or that 
larvae or that grub, it does not affect birds, pets, humans, or anybody else. It's not a germ that affects us at all. It simply makes the caterpillars, as I mentioned, stop feeding completely. End of story. No more caterpillars on the house. It's 747 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. I hope the days come easy and the moments pass slow And each road leads you where you want to go And if you're faced with a choice and you have to choose I hope you choose the one that means the most to you And if one door opens to another door closed I hope you keep on walking till you find the window If it's cold outside Charlotte choices in life choice right now to know the weather today is going to be wet. A quick weather day brought to you by Finley Roofing. Highs and scattered showers. You can't avoid that. It's going to be scattered showers throughout the day. That just gives you a chance to go into Pike Nursery and check out the plants they have there. But we buy some for planting when the showers are not in your neighborhood. High of 79, low of 66. Tomorrow cooler than normal. More scattered showers likely. going to be great planting weather for this week and next. So get those plants chosen at the very least. Purchased hopefully. Get them into your landscape so they can start growing and giving you the tomatoes and the flowers that you want. It's 7.53. Let's go to Joe out in Newburn, Georgia. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Joe, what's up? I, uh, I've been doing this for years, and, and I take my kitchen uh, compost, you know, eggshells and all that kind of good stuff, and sure. I've I got an old blender, and I blend it all up. <laughs> yeah. And I've been sticking it out in my garden, but I've been digging it and putting it in the ground instead of on top of it. And I wanted to know which one is correct. I think you get better benefit by digging it in just a little bit. doesn't have to be a foot deep or anything, but a little scratching of the soil with a trowel maybe and pouring the stuff into the, into the little ditch you make with your trowel. I think it's probably the easiest thing for the worms and soil microorganisms to break down your eggshells and your banana peels and your coffee grounds and all that stuff to break them down into the nutrients that your plant actually wants. You've got to have that, that uh, helper to help you make the eggshell into something that the plant wants, the calcium that the plant needs. So in the soil, I think it's better than pouring on top, but not a marked difference. If somebody said, I just don't feel like digging a hole, it's not going to be much difference between digging or not digging. Okay. Yeah, I've been getting different uh, different opinions on it. And uh, nobody nobody can tell you for sure absolutely that one is better, absolutely 100% better than the other, Joe. So don't believe anybody that thinks they know the the absolute truth. There's not going to be much difference either way. And you're doing a good thing by adding organic matter to the soil. There's some nutrients in the, in the compost that you're blending up there. So it's all to the good. You're doing a good thing. All right. Thank you very much, right. Walter. Good talking to you, Joe. Thanks for calling. Same here. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Joe's place. Gosh, you've had a lot of calls this morning. And don't forget, I take calls about yeah, things you don't think I'm right about. And one of the things that I have been discussing with people for the last couple of weeks now is about Roundup, whether Roundup is good, bad, horrible, great, etc. And you can see my thoughts about the health uh, uh, 
concerns that people have, have voiced about Roundup on my website, go to my website, just type in uh, Roundup Health Concerns. It'll give you the whole page. I have of links to scientific articles, why I believe that it's still okay to recommend and use Roundup. And you can make your own decision. You don't have to use it, for heaven's sake. You can dig things up. There's lots of organic uh, herbicides you can use to kill uh, plants if you don't like, kill the weeds you don't like. I have a list of those as well. So take your choice. Either way is fine with me. But I think that glyphosate or Roundup can be used properly, safely, if you use the amount that is specified on the label. So again, on this show, if you want to argue with me, fine. I love arguing, and I'll help you. I'll hopefully find something that is useful to solve the question if we have one that is uh, unsolvable between the two of us. Another thing you might want to do is go to my website and follow me on Pinterest. Actually, another this morning had been diagnosing problems off the air for folks that we needed to identify what the bug or what the weed or what the tree was. And one of the things that I did on Pinterest is everything that I have on Pinterest is around weed control. Identifying weeds is important. You got to know what kind of weed you have to know what kind of herbicide works the best for control, whether pre-emergent or post-emergent or whether it's a broadleaf weed or a grassy weed. All those things. And so I have pictures of seed heads, I have pictures of flowers, I have pictures of leaves, all that on Pinterest. If you have a Pinterest account, you can go to search for my name or Georgia Gardner, and you'll get the uh, information you need about identifying the weeds you want to control. I'll be with Debbie and Smyrna talking about rose rosette disease in just a minute. Karen and Marietta has a Japanese maple question. Cheryl and Covington has a magnolia with suckers, and she wants to know what to do about that. All that coming up right after news. 